0: before we get started, Uh, for everyone's sake, if, you, if everyone can find a seat, if you need to move around a little bit to find a seat, great. And uh, we're going to try something new. We're going to sit here, and we're going to do JHM together. So if you need to use the bathroom or get some water, just hold it till the end, and then we can all rush the bathroom together. I just cleaned the bathroom. It's spotless, so we're just trying to keep it spotless. Uh, that's a joke. I don't clean bathrooms here. Uh, I'm the junior high pastor here. So if you are new, maybe you came with a friend or you haven't been here in a while, uh, this is what I look like. I've aged... Dramatically since the birth of Canon, because I don't get any sleep at night. Uh, but this is what I look like, my appearance and whatnot. And I'm happy that you guys are here. Uh, let me ask a very quick question: Who has already started school? Where are my already started school people? All right, good. All right, all right. Now, where are the uh, where are the less uh, less liked? Is that the way? I mean, the, where are my people who haven't started school yet? Okay. Now I, I want you to know that there. There's a, See, this is very weird to me, because where I come from in New York, when I was your age, when I went to school, everyone started school the exact same day. Everyone started school the Wednesday after Labor Day, everyone started, like, so there wasn't, like, these factions of people, like, the started school and not started school. Because if you're a started school person, you're probably looking at the still-on-summer break people and, like, plotting their demise. I would not be a fan of those people who are still sleeping in and enjoying life while I'm in school taking notes or has anyone even taken a test yet? Oh my gosh, I feel so bad. I feel so bad for all of you. Uh, We are kicking off a series this fall during fall kickoff, which fall kickoff, let me explain what fall kickoff means. You may have seen a t-shirt or someone talk about fall kickoff. Fall kickoff to us is everyone's getting back into church, everyone's getting back into the rhythms of school and the rhythms of life, and you're, maybe you're starting your team again, you play sports, you start your team, maybe you're in band and you start practices again, you know, everyone who's been on summer break or taking vacations, just doing everything, they're, kind, you know, they're all kind of heading back to church, and this is like our big fall kickoff, and next week's gonna be even bigger, and it just kind of ramps up through September, uh, that's when we launch life groups and do everything. But we're starting a series called Friendship Is. You may have seen the video that some students made. They are incredible. There's going to be a different one every week. They're hilarious videos, very talented students. Uh, And we're going to talk about what friendship looks like. And here's the reason why. I, as a big adult, I have friends. And I want you to know that a lot of the friends I have... I've had since I was in junior high, like friends that I talked to. Even this morning, I was texting a friend of mine, Tony, uh, and asking him if I could have his permission to share a funny story uh, about our friendship because I've been friends with this guy. Literally, I've been friends with him for 20 years. So we were friends when we were 11 years old and we've been friends our entire lives. He was the best man in my wedding. If he ever finds a girl dumb enough to marry him, I'll be the best man in his wedding. And he's one of my best friends, so I can say that. Uh, and, and so friendship's something that's personal to me. I know about friendship. And I think it's personal to all of you because everyone in the room has some you know, knowledge of friendships. Either they have really good friendships... They have friendships that they're not sure if they're really good. Maybe they've had friends they've gotten into fights with and so things haven't been great. Maybe some of you look at other friendships, you're like, man, I wish I had a friend like that. Or you look at your friendships and you're like, these are friends I'm going to have. We're going to one day die and be buried next to each other. And we're still going to be friends. Like, we're, we, j- we already bought the plots. We're ready to get 80 years, 90 years from now, we are going to lay next to each other. We're best friends for life. Maybe that's your style of friendship, which I think is great. But here's a question I have for you. I want you to answer this question. And you don't have to answer it out loud, but think about it in your head. It's going to be here up here on the screen. Uh, what are what are some, what is one of your best stories. Everyone has good stories. Maybe you're not a great storyteller, which you don't have to be a great storyteller. You just have to know what your, like one of your best stories are. And then let me give you a couple things that I believe goes into a great story. A great story is something that's personal. So it's your story. It's not someone else's. A great story is something that is maybe funny. Maybe it's dramatic. Maybe it's very serious. But it's something that's meaningful to you. It's a great story to you. So not What do you think other people think is a great story? What do you think is a great story? So let me say this. I'll tell you one of my favorite stories, okay? When I was in junior high, I played on a hockey team called the River Rats. I don't have a photo of it, but that was the name of the team, the River Rats. And we, you know, played hockey together, and we always had fun together, and we were kind of going through the season, and we were winning games and winning games to eventually we were in the championship game of this hockey league we were in. And the team we were playing against was a team from a school called St. Joe's. Now, none of you know this school, but let me tell you about St. Joe's. St. Joe's is the worst. We don't like St. Joe's, okay? And they're an all-boys school, and they still have to wear uniforms. So imagine boys going to school. There are no girls there. There's only dudes. All right, there's only dudes. There's that. It gets worse. It gets worse. It gets worse, okay? Okay? There's not even any girl teachers there. It's all guy teachers. Yeah, yeah. I know. So forget that school crush with a teacher. That's not going to happen. It's all guys. So that's the, these, and that is the people, the team, that we are playing against is a group of guys from this all-boys school called St. Joe's. So me and my team, you know, I was an assistant captain of the team, because I love playing, I'm a good hockey player. We were in this championship game, I was 11, 12 years old, and we were playing hockey, and this game was going incredible. All right, the score was tied, I broke the tie, okay, on a wrist shot, it was incredible, you didn't see it, thank you, thank you. And then it was goal after goal for our team to where the score was like, 10 to like 3. So we were dominating this team, which you know they should be dominated, okay? And we were destroying them. And then it started getting a little more physical. They started throwing some elbows. They started playing dirty. Well, here's the thing about playing dirty with me. If you're going to play dirty, I'm going to play even more dirty. So I'm, I'm ready to go. So these guys start throwing elbows and I, so I'm hitting with my stick and this one guy kind of hits me in the boards a little harder than I liked and I said to myself, I'm going to teach this guy a lesson. So I go skate up, I take my stick, I give him kind of a, a little bit of shove and then I drop my I stick in my gloves and I put them up when I'm ready to fight. Now Yeah, yeah. You're not you're not you're not going to be impressed for much longer because I realized how big this guy actually was when he was like st- just standing there I could really look at him. He was really big and he had muscles bigger than mine. I had very skinny arms with with my pads and like this guy had literally had muscles with, under his pads. So I get very nervous, but then out of nowhere Comes Tony, my best friend. This guy is a big Italian guy. Even in junior high, he was a big guy, Italian guy. He had muscles, and he skates over, and he, you know, because the, the kind of the scuffle's already begun, and I was losing. So he intercedes and jumps on the guy, and he starts just you know, really, he starts winning, and then and then the benches clear, and you know, me and Tony kind of skate off. The benches were clear, and the goalies they came out. They were they were you know they were you know physically arguing with their hands, and then uh, the refs called the game, and we won because we. We had more points and we got our medals and the whole thing. And that is one of my favorite stories. And you know what makes that story so good? That it's a story that included one of my very close friends. See, when I think of that story and I tell that story, all those emotions come back. All those emotions of my time with Tony and when we were kids and the friendship. Here's something I want you to write down. Uh, the best stories, the best stories, uh, Josh is over there talking, but the best stories, most of the time, include our friends. Not every time, not every single time, but most of the time our best stories include our friends. It's not about what we did, it's a story of who we did it with. You know, we can tell stories of what we do, but sometimes it's a lot more fun to tell the stories about who you did it with who experienced it? Who made it even better? Because the story alone is a story of me picking a fight in hockey and then getting beat up in front of my girlfriend who I was in love with at the time but has left me, uh, you know, since the, a couple of weeks later. Uh, that would have been the story. That would have been the story. But the story got better because my best friend was there. He was involved in the story. Here's the thing. I want you to know this. Our best stories most of the time include our friends. But some of us feel like, well, I don't know, like, I don't know about friendship now, when I say I don't know about friendship, this is what I'm saying. I don't know if I have, like, great friends or if I'm a great friend. I don't know, like, what does the Bible say about friendships? Like, I don't know about these things. Like, I know about hanging out with people, maybe grabbing chicken wings or grabbing some sandwiches or going surfing with people. or seeing, But I don't know about friendship the way God talks about friendship. So we're going to talk about friendship the way God talks about friendship. If you have your Bibles with you, then you're incredible. Open them. If you don't, there's Bibles all around the room. I want you to grab one. I'm going to grab a Bible and grab a paper and grab a pen. There's more than enough Bibles to go around. And we're going to be looking in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Now, a lot of you, we're going to put it up here on the screen, a lot of you may not know where Ecclesiastes is. That's totally fine. This is what I want you to do. I want you to get a Bible, and I want you to open up your table of contents. I use my table of contents all the time. And I want you to look up Ecclesiastes. This is the Old Testament. So the New Testament, the Old Testament, you guys know this stuff. And it's right by Psalms and Proverbs. It's right there. It's it's not a long book. It's somewhat short. And look it up in your Bibles. I use my table of contents all the time. And in a second, I'll give you the, uh, the page number for those who are just, you know, taking a little while, which is totally fine, which is totally fine. All right, keep looking. Keep looking. All right, it's on page 650. I gave it away, so you need a little help. There you go. There's some help, 650. And this is what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter four. This is about friendship. They're talking about friendship. I observe, this is a guy who's talking, sharing a story about someone else. So if you were to share a story about someone else, that's what's happening in the Bible. I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. So I've observed something meaningless in life. This is what it says, verse eight. This is the case of a man who is all alone. It's very sad. Without a child or a brother yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. This is what the Bible is saying. This guy doesn't have family. Maybe he had family, but he doesn't have family now. Uh, he doesn't have any siblings. Maybe he did have siblings and they died or something. We don't know, but he doesn't have any siblings now. So this is a guy with no family, no siblings. No one to walk to school with, no one to sit at lunch table with, no one who's coming over for Monday night football, no one to open Christmas gifts with. This guy is alone. And it says that he has been working hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But, and this is the next verse, but then he asks himself, so this is the guy asking himself, the guy that doesn't have anyone, who am I working for? Why am I giving, so, giving up so much pleasure now, it's all so meaningless and depressing? Which, that's, that's a pretty, like, you know, kind of a, a stunning, you know, dry, unhappy verse. Like, why is it in there? Why does verses like this exist? Let me explain. So this guy, his situation is, he doesn't have people in his life. Now maybe he had people in his life and he lost them. Maybe he had people in his life and something happened and these people left him or or maybe he left them. I don't know. But he's come to a point in his life where for him it made more sense just to work, 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 gain a bunch of wealth but then as he sits there and reflects on his life, he says, why am I doing this? What's it all for? What value is this? All right. think of it this way. Think of it this way. Imagine you have, you don't have any friends. Let's just imagine that, okay? Let's just say, you don't have any friends. And let's say instead of desiring friends or desiring to make friends, you say, you know what? It's better I have no friends. It's better that I'm alone. I'm going to work my tail off at school. I'm gonna, all I'm going to do is study. All I'm going to do is do sports. I'm just going to excel at that. I'm going to just do all these things for me, and it doesn't, I don't worry about doing things with other people. And then you find yourself at a point in your life where you maybe have really high grades and maybe you're really great at sports, but you don't have anyone around you to enjoy that with. You don't have anyone to celebrate that with. That's what this guy was finding himself in. A time that he was very depressed. He realized that all what he did was meaningless because he had no one to share it with. Now, here's the thing that I want you to know, and I want you to write this down. The right friends make life better. The right friends make having no friends does not make life better. The Bible says that. When you do things together, it's good. When you're alone, it's very sad that they are not meant to be that way. See, the right friends, and you might say, well, what's the right friend? Well, we're gonna talk about that over the next couple of weeks. But the right friends make life better. People to enjoy life with, to experience life with. They make things better. This is what it says as we follow up from Ecclesiastes. This is the next verse. I want you to see this. Two people are better, and this is a continuation. So this is the same guy who told the story of this man who was alone, and this is what he said kind of as an observation or a reflection from what he saw. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one falls down, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Now, that's in bold, if you can see, for two reasons. One, this is like The theme verse for this whole series, if you're going to try and learn a verse, if you're going to read something every day to inspire the thoughts of friendship, if you're going to go find a scripture that you can memorize, that when things are tough with friends, that you can look back on and say, oh wait, I remember it says in the Bible about this. This is the verse. See, because two are better than one. We're not meant to do things alone. Jesus didn't create us to do things alone. When he created everybody, he created Adam and even the very beginning. So from the very beginning, we weren't meant to do things alone. We're meant to do things in friendship with people. Now, here's the thing. A lot, Some of you will say this to me. You'll say, well, Justin, you just don't get me. You don't get me, Justin. I like doing things by myself. I actually am happy being alone. I'm alone, and I read my book, or I do whatever. I play Pokemon Go. I do it alone, and I'm happy doing things by myself. I like doing things by myself, too. So is my wife. We, even though we're married, we do things alone. I have best friends. Even though I'm, I have my best friends, we still like to do things by ourselves. We're not with each other all the time. I mean, normal friends aren't with each other every second of every day. That's unhealthy. That's crazy. That's Looney tune time. That's nuts. But I like to have my friends, and I like to have time alone. So how do those two things work? Well, you might say, well, Justin, I like being alone. Like, I like being by myself. Well, listen, I hear what you're saying. The Bible says something different. They say if you want to have this meaningful life, it means you have people to share it with. If you want to have joy, if you want to be happy in life and enjoy it the way God intended us to enjoy life, we do that together with friends. So you might say, well, no, Justin, I disagree with that. I don't think that's right. Well, the Bible that, that saying that it is right. Like the Bible is saying that doing things together is better than doing things by yourself. See, here's the hardest thing about being a Christian sometimes. And I was there where you are as a junior higher going to church. I had my three friends. I'm going to tell their story another week. And we used to go to church all every weekend. We used to go to church, to this church called Eastern Olds Wesleyan Church. And every week we'd go and we'd sit there and we'd learn together. And I remember when we'd sit through these lessons and we'd try and learn it. And I remember sitting there as a junior higher saying, well, I'm not sure if I believe that or not. And I'll look at other things in the Bible and I'll say, man, I really believe that. Like, I really like that story. Like, I believe that part of the Bible. But then you come to a part like this, you're like, well, I'm not really sure, like, about this whole friendship thing with some people. I'm not really sure. Like, you can't believe part of the Bible and discount other parts. You can't pick and choose what you believe out of God's word. So either God's word's completely true or it's not. And there is no middle ground because Jesus doesn't give us room for middle ground. So when you look at this, this is true, that we're not meant to do it alone. When you fall down, it's better to have someone who's there who's able to help pick you up so that you don't find yourself in trouble. Uh, uh, Last week, or maybe it was the week before last week, there were a group of junior high boys, probably sixth graders, I'm not totally sure. I completely recognize them. And as the train was coming by, they were trying to jump on the back of the train. They thought they were cool. They thought they were awesome and athletic. And I know they probably thought what all of you thought. You see the train coming by and you think, like a cartoon, and you just see the cartoon characters just jumping on the moving trains, and they get on there, and they're running down the trains, and they're cowboy heroes, and they're junior high boys. That's how they they think in terms of cartoons most of the time. So I, these boys, and I see them thinking, because you can see with most you know, students, you can see what they're thinking of doing before they do it. It's kind of like looking into the future a little bit. And so this one junior high boy got ready, and he was just kind of crouching there. And as the train came by and the last car was there, he like ran and he jumped, and he fell flat on his face. And the best part was there was a group of eighth grade girls standing there. Whew, this boy was embarrassed. And the girls were laughing at him. It was very, very sad. Uh, and I, as the pastor, okay, I, as the pastor, will never laugh at you to your face. I will always do it at home with my wife later. I promise, okay? I promise you. So at the moment, I just kept a very stern face, very concerned, and I was going over there. I was going over there to help him up, but I was beaten to the punch. One of his friends, who was kind of laughing, but friends can laugh with each other in, in a healthy way, was heading over there. His friend reached down his hand and helped him up and they went inside together, and then I saw them in service later, they were sitting next to each other. That was a very good friend. A friend that's there to help you up when you fall down, in the very literal sense. That was a picture of a great friend. See, this is what it says in verse 11. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep warm, but how can one be warm alone? Verse 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for triple-braided cord is not easily broken, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I want you guys to read Ecclesiastes chapter 4 this week if you have time, especially these verses. These verses are really good verses. You know why these verses are so good when it comes to talking about friendship? Because it speaks truth to who we know that we are as people. It speaks truth, and we don't want to know why I know it speaks truth to us because we all do things like this. We all like doing things together. Let me give you an example. Uh, If you've started school already, chances are you've gotten your school schedule. Who in this room, okay, who in this room, after getting their school schedule, went to someone else and asked a very typical question? What question would you ask? What are your classes? What classes are you taking? So you get your school schedule, and you're like, oh, I'm taking math with Mr. Math Guy. I'm taking social studies or science with whoever. And, and you get your schedule, and you go find other students, your grade or whatever, people you know, and you compare schedules. You're like, hey, well, what's, what classes do you have? What teachers do you have? Who do you have? And here's the reason we ask that question. It's not because we care about what classes they have. We don't care about that. We might act like we care, but we do not care what classes someone else has. This is why we ask that question, because we want to know if when we walk into that room for our class, if we're walking into a room where we know people, or if we're walking into a room where we're going to be alone. That's why we ask that question. We ask that question because we want to know when we walk into math class with Mr. Whoever'sville, some weird looking guy with with glasses, that when we walk into that class, I'm going to see my friend sitting there. And I can sit next to them. That's why we ask that question. And we've all done it. I mean, and actually, if, if someone doesn't ask us our school schedule, it actually hurts a little bit. Like, I know that sounds weird, but, like, you know what that feels like. And like, you get your school schedule, and you, maybe no one's asking you. Maybe you don't know, you know, who you should ask. Because part of you wants to know that when you walk into a room, you're going to see a familiar face. The same thing happens at church. Some of you guys are here at church because your parents forced you to come here. And they they roll up to church, they kick you out of the car, and they say, if you want to ride home, you better go to church and you know your ticket in is the notes you take or something crazy, which I assure you will get you home today. Don't worry about that. And some of you come to church just because you like it. You see, you know I'm here, you know Kristen's here, and you know some of the leaders that are here, uh, you know, and you want to see them. Brandon's here, and Marissa May's Mottos is here, and you want to see these people. You come to see someone. But there's probably a good-sized group of you that before you come to church, you're texting people to find out who else is here. Because you want to know who's here. Hey, uh, hey what, uh, what service are you coming to today? Oh, I'm going to the 11 o'clock service. That's awesome. Oh, cool. Like, can I, I'm going to meet you outside in the patio. Oh, great. What color dress are you wearing? Oh, I'm wearing a green dress. I'm having a girl conversation with a boy voice. Oh, I'm wearing a green dress. Oh, cool. I got my hair done and my nails done. Oh, cool. I can't wait to see it. Let's, wear, let's put perfume on each other later. Or like whatever. <laughs> whatever girls are talking about. I don't even know what they're talking about. Whatever girls are talking about. But you do that and you've probably done something like that. And you don't do that because you're bored or because you have nothing to do. You do that because when you walk into this church space, you want to know that you're walking in and you will see people that you know. You will see people you recognize. Why? Because you could do church alone. But church is better when you do it with someone else. You know, you want to know why else I know that I'm right? I will tell you why I know that I'm right. I know that I'm so right about this. It blows my mind how right I am. Because when we do summer camp or winter camp or even life groups, and I'm inundated with 50 emails from every parent about making sure their kid gets into this cabin with these people or this life group with those people, and I want you to know those emails don't bother me at all. Every time I get one of those emails, I read it with a sense of joy and excitement. Because when I read that email, all I see is that you as a junior high kid in junior high ministry have found people that make you feel safe and make you feel like you can belong. See, here's the thing. The right friends, is going to be up here on the screen, the right friends give us a safe place to belong. Every time I get a friend request form, every time I get a phone call about camp cabins, every time I get an email about life groups and making sure that you and your friends are in the same group, that tells me that you have found people that have given you a safe place to belong. Now remember, I said the right friends. So there's definitely a time that there are wrong friends, and we're going to talk about that next week. There's definitely a time where you might ask questions about if you're right. Here, actually, here's some questions that I have found myself asking as I've been preparing this series. Who are the right friends? Maybe you've asked yourself, who are the right friends? If I'm looking for friendships, maybe I know friends at church, but I don't really have a lot of friends at school, or you know, I'm always looking to make new friends. Like, you know, what, what is it, what does a right friend look like? You know, am I a right friend? See, very often we say to ourselves, well, Do we have the right friends around us? And it's very me-centric. What about asking the question, are you the right friend to people? Are you treating people well? Are you making people feel like they have a safe place to belong? Are you giving them the opportunity to be known? Are you the right kind of friend? Here's another question. What if I'm fighting with a friend? You know, what if me and a friend are in an argument? What if my friend's doing something that I don't approve of? How do I still be friends with that person if they're doing something that I don't do or I wouldn't do? What if we get into a fight? Is there a way that we can fix that friendship? Or is just the friendship gone forever? And here's the last one. Did Jesus have friends? You know, this whole church thing, we talk about Jesus, and we talk about, you know, how we should be praying to Jesus, and Jesus loves us, and all these things about Jesus. But did Jesus have friends? Did he model the things he talked about with his friends? What kind of friend was he? What did he do? How did he treat people? How was he treated by his friends? We're going to talk all about that over the next couple of weeks. But I want you to know this before you leave today. This is kind of an intro to the Friendship Is series. I want you to know this. It's the big idea, the bottom line for today. Friendship was Jesus' idea, and they are for all of us. So if you're thinking, oh, is friendship for me? Listen, friendship is definitely for you. Friendship is for all of us. Everyone. Jesus created friendship. It is for everyone. Jesus created the idea of friendship so that you could not live life alone. And friendship is for all of us, not just for some of us, it's for all of us. So here's what I want to do. We're gonna end a little early, which is totally fine. I'm gonna pray. And then as you leave, your leaders are gonna give you our brand new, this thing is brand new. Our brand new calendar that just came out. It's from September this month. All the way till June of 2017, everything is on there. Sugar Fest is on there. Winter Camp is on there. The epic, more epic than ever, All Nighter is on there. Baptism dates are on there. Summer Camp 2017 dates are on there. Everything is on there. So let me pray for you. And then they're going to open that door, and you guys are going to go out that door, but you're going to get calendars. And feel free to hang out because your parents are still doing stuff like five Mormons. Let uh, Let me pray. Quiet down. Heavenly Father, God, so grateful for you, so grateful for all of our students, so grateful for them coming every single week and learning a little more about you. Today we got to learn about friendship. Can't wait to find out what we're going to learn next week. This is a great time to Follow Jesus anytime's a great time, but this is a great time because we need to learn great stuff. So let us have a great day, a great rest of our weekend. Help, get us recharged from school this week? We pray all this in your name, amen. All right, guys, I love you all. See you later. Bye bye. Bye bye. Later, guys. Later, dude. Thank you, bro. I'll see you next week.